Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Hi, everyone. Well, now, I may have told you this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. And when I do, you'll understand why I'm repeating it. Now, a few years ago, I was on a TV show on a panel, and we were talking about some aspect of employment. I, I, I don't really remember exactly what the topic was. And this television show, I don't want you to think that I was on CBS or a network show. It was a, a local cable television station. I enjoyed it. I, you know, I always like talking about employment and, and careers and, and hiring. It's what I do. And at the end of the program, as I disconnected my mic and gathered up my belongings and prepared to leave, as I stood up, I heard a voice from behind the camera that called out to me, hi, I'm Beverly. Now I stopped in my tracks because I didn't know which one of my children it was because I didn't recognize the voice, but obviously it belonged to somebody who knew me. The voice belonged to my guest today, Kristen J. Eddy. Now, me knowing very little about the behind the scenes of television programming production, I was surprised to see a woman, especially a woman I knew. I was surprised to see her behind the camera. Now, Chrissy, as she is known to her family and friends, has had an interesting employment journey, which includes stability and the pursuit of her passion. Now, my personal opinion, given our COVID-19 experience and the Great Recession of 2008 and 2009 and that impact on our employment landscape, employment stability was a benefit, and it still is. And as I've said in my book, Your GPS to Employment Success, How to Find and Succeed in the Right Job, there is no such thing as job security. Your job may be stable for a time, but there is no job security. So having said that, oh, let me digress for a moment. My book is available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and independent bookstores around the country and in Barnes and Noble stores. 
if you order it. Now that that's over, welcome, Chrissy. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Chrissy, I can't even tell you. It's been so long ago because it's been more than five years ago. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw, I was like, oh, my God, it's Chrissy. Well, let me just. I, I, I don't think of, I don't think in terms of women behind the camera, and that's shame on me. But I don't think there are that many female camera people, are there? I don't know if there are that many, but there are some out here, and definitely behind the scenes. So definitely a lot of black women behind the scenes. That was the Lisa Durden show down at Cablevision, and with Cablevision, they offered a free program that. If you learned all of the equipment and took their production course, you could produce a show. And you do have to be a resident of Newark. But because I wasn't a resident of Newark, I could still take the course, but I could work on Lisa's show. So I did. So I had the opportunity to learn how to operate the cameras. And I had a blast doing that. And with Lisa's show, I was even able to direct so the, this was something that was just fascinating and like so amazing and fun at the same time. And Lisa's shows were always interesting and intriguing and just that's probably the only experience that I had where I actually got to take in what I was working on. Because a lot of times when I freelance and work on things, I'm not able to focus on what's actually going on because I'm trying to make sure that what's happening behind the scenes is operating as it should. But Lisa's shows, always interesting, always wonderful. And directing was a blast too. Just being at the control board and calling the shots, that was a rush as well. But yeah, no, there are women out here behind the scenes, behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell us about yourself? Where'd you grow up? What's your family? You know, where did you go to school? Didn't you go to school? (laughs) No. I was born. I know, in the river. I, I know. I know about you, but I need our I need our listeners to hear from you. I am from Orange, New Jersey, born and raised, and I did go to North Carolina Central University (HBCU). I'm an Eagle, and I actually have a degree in music because I'm a classically trained pianist from the tender age of four, which is interesting because. By the time I became a preteen, I was like, that's enough of this. And my parents were like, oh, no, we don't quit in this house. So I did continue to take lessons until my mother said, either you graduate from high school or turn 18, whichever comes first. So graduating came first. So I was like, oh, good. That's over with. Now, I thought I was going to go to Pratt or Parsons and major in interior design. But somehow my mother, I don't know how she did it, but she got me in her alma mater, alma mater, North Carolina Central, which... I'm grateful for. I ha- I'm so grateful that I had the HBCU experience. So I have a degree in music. When I came home from college, my first job was at Choir Recording Studio. And anybody in the music world knows that that's a reputable, that was a very popular and reputable recording studio. I don't even know how that fell into place. So at this point in my life, oh, I'm wait, like, wait, 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 stop, stop, yeah. stop. You don't know how that fell into place. I do not know how that fell into place because when I came home from college, I was like, okay, I need to find something to do. I need to find a job. I literally was talking with one guy who said, well, my, you just majored in music. My friend does stuff at this recording studio. I didn't know about quad. When I went to the studio, the guy said, tell them Robert sent you. When I went to the studio and told them Robert Owens 
said to let you know that I was looking interested in working here. I didn't even know how huge Robert Owens was. He is a musician in like the underground house music world, but he was a regular at Quad Recording Studio. So when I said his name, they were like, can you start Monday? And you were networking and didn't even realize that that's how you got the job. I wasn't even networking. It was this was one of those moments where I'm just talking and it just came at me. No, networking networking is usually with some type of intention. I wasn't even thinking about it. No, it doesn't. It's it's people talking to each other and telling people what you're you know, if you had said nothing. You would which not is, have gotten which, the job. Which is not me because I'm chatty girl. <laughs> okay. But you understand what I'm saying. But I'm saying I wasn't, I was it having a regular conversation. If you go to the ice cream parlor and you order a particular ice cream and someone behind you says, I like your pocketbook, you're not networking. You're just having a general conversation. That's how general it was. It wasn't like, hey guys. But how did you find out you had a music degree? It was something that they asked me. This is, this is what I'm saying. I don't even know. I don't remember how. I, it wasn't like we were going down that with intention. We weren't going down that path of, so what are you looking for? What are you trying to do? Or what do you say? We weren't even, I, I don't even know. I don't remember. And it literally fell into place. Like I said, I didn't even know who, and I knew the song when they said, this is Robert's song. I was like, oh my God, I love that club song. That's Robert? Oh my God. Like I didn't, I had never even met Robert. And okay, he, for the listeners, for the listeners. Yes. Networking does not have to be a formalized, oh, there's a a gathering and, you know, people are milling about. What I have found, even in my personal experience, I'm not one who does. I talk now. I don't have any problem talking. (laughs) But when I travel, especially when I was working for a corporation, when I traveled, I wanted to decompress. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I started writing this, you know, my career advice books that I started opening up and talking to people mm-hmm. that sat next to me, that stood next to me, asking them questions about themselves. That's networking too. If someone asked you, well, what do you do? And you say, oh, I don't do anything. You're not opening yourself up to anything. But if you say, oh, I do this, then there's an opportunity to have an exchange. That's networking. Well, It may not be as you envision it. You right. may not feel that it's intentional on your part, but it doesn't have to be intentional. It can be organic and just flow. Well, I look at those more as synchronicities and divine coincidences because That's true. I definitely, it wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't even like I had planted the seed at some other time and can say, I was just saying the other day. It literally was just like, boom, boom, boom. It happens. I just started working at Quad Recording Studio. And so Robert Owens, if you're out there anywhere, I haven't seen or spoken to him in a thousand years. Thank you. (laughs) Now, how do you spell the name of the recording studio? Quad, Q-U-A-D. Quad Recording Studio. It's kind of infamous, too, because they one year they had an explosion. The, the MIDI room, one of the technical studios, had an explosion, and they, they were on a television show called Rescue 911, I think it was. Oh, wow. I know. And then 
they had an infamous robbery of some sort where I want to say like Biggie was there and some equipment was stolen. And it's so they used to tease me because I was never there when something not so great went down. So (laughs) one day, one day they said, I was like, wow, that is so crazy. I just left. And it was like, when I would get there, they'd be like, you just missed it. And they were like, yeah, you know what? We're starting to notice a coincidence here with you always somehow are just missing these things. I was like, that's a good thing. But um, this is also the recording studio where Tupac was shot up in the lobby. So oh, that's wow. that quad recording studio. But this was a while ago. We don't need to call that any years, but it was a while ago when I was there. Manhattan was very different. It was quite seedy. It was an interesting part in time of my life. And then from there, I mean, not to just to keep the ball rolling, but that was that was a brief, no, interesting, fine. delightful moment. I had a friend who was uh, working with at Def Jam and he said to me, you know, we're working on a little project, a little cable show, and I want you to work with me on it. And that ended up being the Def Comedy Jam. And that really like triggered something for me. So. I left Quad Recording Studios and started working with Rush Communications and worked on the Deaf Comedy Jam. Now, with working with the Deaf Comedy Jam, that particular division kind of disbanded, moved out to the West Coast, and then I'm back to freelancing in a regular job, going back and forth between those two worlds of freelancing and regular job. So as I mentioned, when we were having a conversation before, that's kind of been my thing where I'll get a freelance gig and love it, but it doesn't feel secure enough. And then I'll get a regular job and it's secure enough, but doesn't feel creative enough. So I would do one or the other. And fast forward to today, I kind of do both. Do you think you have the best of both worlds? I don't know if I have the best of both worlds. I don't know if I have the best of both worlds, but I definitely have a bit of both worlds. Well, let me ask it this way. Do you see the benefit of having the stability of a nine to five that you can work it so that you have the time to do the work that you're passionate about? Absolutely. It's beyond a benefit. It's a blessing, actually, because um, when the pandemic hit, a lot of my friends who work in production they were hit hard. I was not. So now on the flip side of that, because of how hard the production world was hit, now my stable life was magnified. And I was just like, I didn't realize how much comedy was saving me. This is a drag. (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst. So I've been nibbling off of both worlds and balancing it. So when one one was missing and the other was blown up. It really made such a huge difference for me. So today, being able to balance a regular day job, I, it's kind of an easygoing day job where it doesn't. it's not something that has to come home with me. I'm able to balance that and be able to take time off to do some of the freelance gigs that come up. And it's so bizarre, but the timing always works out perfectly. I mean, perfect. It's meant to be. It is so meant to be. So, um, and that's that's a part of also my growth, my evolution of 
accepting things as they are and relaxing and it falls, watching things fall into place accordingly and just knowing that things are going to work out as they should perfectly. So I'm learning, I'm learning to really flow with that rhythm right there. That's, that's a growth thing. So, because for example, with my regular job, I had a little bit of a dispute, ongoing dispute about vacation days owed. And this, um, it, it was ongoing and it was kind of a back and forth with the union and all of that other good stuff. So I finally was awarded my days and I then had the opportunity to work on the Wild and Out Live tour. And because I was finally awarded these days and they even put a stipulation on it because I wanted the, the days to be where I could take them whenever I wanted to. And, or if I left the job, I'd be paid out for these days. Mm-hmm. They said, no, you must take them this year. So I said, all right, okay. And it turned out that I ended up working on the live tour for Wild and Out. And I was able to take those days. Then they couldn't question me because they were forcing me to take those days. So it worked worked out perfectly. Now that tour whooped me. That's a whole other story right there. (laughs) But you were doing what you wanted to do. I was doing what I wanted to do. What you're passionate about. I was doing what I wanted to do. This is correct. Nobody said it would be easy. Yeah, I need that in my life these days, though. So. I need easy, smooth, and peaceful. I need all of that in my life these days. So that's now. What did okay? I didn't realize that you are multi talented. Now I know you were behind the camera. You talked to me at one point when we were talking about writing. So you do. I don't know whether they're screenplays or plays or whatever they are. Scripts for what do they call them? Oh, for television shows. Well, I wish that I could tell you something has been sold, but it has nothing has been sold as of yet. No, but it doesn't have to be sold yet, you know, but you but you write. Definitely. You, write, you play the piano, you <laughs> behind the camera. What did you do on the tour? Oh, I worked with the talent. That's with production and with comedy. My focus is always with the talent. So, yeah. And what does that mean? Making sure that they were I'm sorry, making sure that they're where they need to be on time and getting them to the stage and coordinating everything with that. Now, and, well, and, and with the, Wait, ho, ho, ho. that can't be easy. No, it's a lot of detail involved in remembering certain things and staying on top of things, because if something falls, they're looking at you like, why did this fall? And it's just like, wow. <laughs> wow. where is so-and-so? Why aren't they here on time? And it's so crazy because I love talent and they're wonderful, but sometimes it's like, why do I have to come and get you? You know, you're going on stage next. Why am I looking for you to get be right here on standby? Right. (laughs) Um, And there are a lot of details that were involved with the tour. And that was my first experience with working with that in that capacity. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I do. I work with a monthly show at Gotham Comedy Club called Mixtape Comedy Show. I've been working with them since 2009. That's Royale Watkins show. and I booked the talent for that. So I would go out looking at talent and deciding who I thought was strong and talented and funny and ready to do our show and book them on our show. And we, we've had a lot of super talented folks who have come through the mixtape comedy show that have gone on to the next level. 
I mean, we've had, yeah, we've had Michelle Buteau, Gina Yashere. I'm saying these names and you may not know them by name, but if you saw them, like Gina is on Bob Hart's Abishola. You familiar with that show? Oh, I love, I love that show. I really, I'm surprised that I love it. The woman who plays Kemi is Gina Yashere. Kemi's my favorite. She's also the co-creator. So Kemi is. She's She's, executive producer. I know. I always read the credits. Yeah. So she is somebody that I'm like, she's hilarious. I got to get her on Mixtape. Now, Mixtape is a monthly live show at the comedy club. We started out streaming, but we don't stream anymore. But so she's somebody. Is it still going on even though you don't stream? We actually do have a show coming up for January, but we're still feeling our way. Yes, it was still going on for 11 years, but the pandemic shut everybody down. But we're picking back up, but taking baby steps to see how we get through this pandemic. But it's on like pause, but not, it's not done. It's not over. So, so Gina is somebody that, you know, we've had on the show who has gone on to the next level. Michelle Buteau, Jersey girl. She's actually on the new remake of the first wives club with Jill Scott. You familiar with that show? No, it's like, it's like a remake of the first wives clubs, the original show that had Bette Midler. But this is a black cat. Where is it on? What state? Where is it? Where would I find it? I believe BET Plus. Okay. Oh, that one of the streaming that I'm not paying, giving them any more money. <laughs> I'll give them enough of my money. I think, I'm not sure if you already have BET. You might be able to get BET no, Plus. No, I have BET. I don't have BET Plus. Check with your service because if you have BET, you might be able to, like, Download the streaming service for for free. I'm not I'll sure. Check. Don't quote me. No, I'll check it. I, as <laughs> much as I pay them, I should be able to get it for for at no extra cost. Right. I mean, like Paramount Plus and Disney Plus and right. Discovery Plus, they all want more money. I'm not giving them another dime. Yeah, it's getting a little crazy. It's getting a little crazy. But I do appreciate the a la carteness of it all. So, yeah. You get to pick and choose what you want. But yeah, Michelle, yeah. Michelle has been in a lot of movies and she's she's out here doing her thing, Netflix specials and everything. So she's someone who's done the show. We've even had Amy Schumer, who I know you're familiar with that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy Schumer has done mixtape comedy show before and Roy Wood Jr., he's, he was a regular. He's one of the correspondents on The Late Show with, wait, no, the excuse me. Roy Wood Jr. is one of the correspondents on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Uh, Funny guy. Great, yeah. guy, sweet guy. So we've had folks come through, and of course, we've also had those because of Royale's relationships with, because Royale is a comedian himself. So because of some of his relationships, we've had the heavy hitters come through because they've been friends forever. The old heads like yeah. Cedric the Entertainer, D.L. Hughley. They, they've all they've done mixtape comedy show. So I love comedy. I didn't realize how much I loved comedy. So I am forever grateful for having had the opportunity to work with the Deaf Comedy Gym and be introduced to production. And it's so funny because I had the opportunity to meet Joan Rivers. And I said to her, I've been watching you all my life. And when I later had a conversation with one of the previous managers at Gotham Comedy Club, because we used to just go back and forth about comedy. I said, Sean, I didn't realize that I have been following stand-up comedy all my life. I've been following stand-up comedians. So I was like, it, it, it makes sense that here I am today still watching stand-up comedy. That's great. 
specifically stand up. But you took steps to make sure that that happened. I don't even know that it was, again, with intention. I, I just kind of, oh, look at look at this beautiful road that I'm on. I'm going to take it. you have to decide to follow the go down that path. You know, if I knew, if I could remember who said this, the most expensive mistake is a missed opportunity. When an opportunity presents itself, you have to take advantage of it. You at least have to put it on hold. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's the, you, somebody offers you something, an opportunity or you know, I want you to do this. A lot of times it's like, I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm looking to do. And I've been that way too. You know what? But what I say now is, okay, can I get back to you about that? So that I can go and think about it and talk to people that I think might know more about it than I know about it because they can give me a different perspective. I think for me, there was just an openness to whatever. Like I was just open, honestly, mm. because um, you almost have to recognize something as an opportunity before you can realize that you've missed it. Because I remember somebody in particular that was interested in acting and I, at this particular time, had access to direct casting directors and auditions and things like that. And I said to this person, I can get you in on these auditions. And that person said, well, I want to study this first and know how to do it first. And I said, you have to go on an audition to understand how to audition. If you start doing this while you're studying it, you'll be in the mix. And they declined. Now, I saw it as one thing. They didn't see it as an opportunity. But then years later, that person said, hey, do you still? And unfortunately, I no longer had the connections. I said, wow. I, I can't help you. That. And see, that's what I'm saying. We don't always recognize opportunities. Yeah. Or, you know, we, it's like, and, and a lot of times we react before we think. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I don't feel like doing that. No, I don't want to do that today. But this is it. Nothing is more expensive than a missed opportunity. So, and when I read that, when I I saw it and I read, I said, you know, that's the truth. Well, let me ask you this, Aunt Beverly. Was, yeah. it, was it an opportunity if you didn't feel it? If you didn't sure. feel, feel it or feel like it, was it yeah, an opportunity? Yeah, it was an opportunity. Just because you didn't feel it doesn't mean it wasn't an opportunity. Okay. You may not have recognized it as such, but you might in your rearview mirror down the road. You know, I was offered an opportunity and I just couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with it at the time. I I had too much going on. I mean, everything that I was trying to do was getting in the way. But something told me not to tell those people I didn't want to be bothered. Mm -hmm. That it was something I didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, what you need to do is you need to take a step back because you're overwhelmed. Okay. You've got too many things going on and you need, you can't do any of them well. You cannot give any of it the full attention that any one of these items requires. So you've got to take some of these items off the table, take them off your plate. And that's what I did. I said, I really want to consider your offer, 
I'm very pleased that you extended it. I would respectfully ask that you give me a few months to pull myself together and take some things off my plate and focus on this and give it the attention that it requires. And then I will give you a response. And they said, well, you know, you don't have to do that. You can do one, two, three. I said, no, I don't want to make a decision that I will regret, that I may regret later. And I want to give it my full attention and I can't do that right now. So if you will give me the opportunity to come back to you, I will do that. And they said, absolutely, come back to us. And I now see it for the golden opportunity that it may be. But if I had said, you know, I can't deal with this. <laughs> I can't deal with this now. Did you revisit it? Did, it? did it happen? What, how did that end up? I haven't gone back to them yet. Oh, this is current day. This is real time. We're talking. Oh, okay. no, this is, this is now. Okay. I mean, with everything that was going on, it was, I think I had like eight balls up in the air and I'm not a juggler. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh no, see, you're, it, and see, I manage stress. I'm not getting stressed out. Stress mm-hmm. will kill you. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm not going out like that. So I said, okay, this is not working for you. You decide what you have to do. And I had a a case that I had to wind down and it wasn't winding down. It seemed like it was winding up and I had to give that my undivided attention. And then I had some other stuff going on. The book was coming out and, you know, it was just wild. And I said, oh, hold, slow your roll. (laughs) Just stop, stop and just do what you can. But, and they were kind enough to extend, you know, the, wait for me. And so I'm preparing myself to go back to them with an answer. Okay. You know, I'm Beverly, I've come to also notice that things definitely happen different for people. And I've had some unusually divine experiences where things just literally came to me. Mm -hmm. And Again, like I said, without even saying I was just saying or thinking about it, it's just and I I do, for the most part, leave myself open because I want to be the freedom to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And I don't mean just like la 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 with any job. I mean, if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, you know, I'm doing this. And I'm like, I've never done that before. I'd be interested in working on that. I worked on a on a play festival in the city. I had never done that before. So I was like, yeah, I'd be curious about that. Let me go ahead and do that. So I did that. And I think that openness has allowed me to have some different experiences. Somebody reached out to me one time and said, I'm looking for comedians to do a radio show. And I was just like, well, if you have extra space, I'd be interested in doing a radio show. So I did a radio show. (laughs) So are you a comedian too? No, not at all. She reached out to me for other comedians. (laughs) Oh, okay. No, no, no. I'm only behind the scenes. Only because let me tell you, stand up is a serious craft, and oh, those, those I don't know people, how people do it. I, it. It is no joke, and everybody can't do it. Everybody cannot do it, and and you know, given today with social media, there are other types of comedy, but stand up comedy is a craft in and of itself that is not for everybody. It is no joke, and people who take it seriously are the ones that we see doing well. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently uh, it pays well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, 
it can pay well. Let me say that. Let me be clear on that. It can pay well. I see the struggle. I stand corrected. You're I, right. I see the struggle for some. I see what yeah. people go through. And it, for a lot of the people tr- just trying to do th- and all they, I love co- comedians because all they want to do is make us laugh. They hit these clubs in the city. They're, they're trying to hit multiple clubs in the night because they're getting pennies. They are getting pennies. So, you know, that it, it's like, I try to be mindful and work with comedians when I'm booking them on something I'm working on so that they can hit multiple stages so that they can make that money. They don't have things like health insurance and, you know, life insurance and things like that. I think those things are slowly changing, but I mean, and here you want to make me laugh. Yeah. I I got much respect for stand up comedians because it's something to get up. No, go go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say it's something to get up on stage and, there's a, a degree of just you're putting yourself out there. I think I may have asked you. The, Ace Brown did a, a podcast interview for me. Do you know? Do you are you familiar with him? He went to St. Benedict's, I believe. I think I know exactly who you're talking about. He's a comedian. Okay. We met years ago. I haven't <laughs> seen him recently, but I think I know exactly who you're talking about. I haven't seen him in a few years, but he did do a. You may want to check out his podcast interview. Okay. All right, Ace Brown. I'm he, and that, if I remember correctly, he has a podcast that he's doing with another guy. Okay. Mentions in in his interview. Okay. Okay. Cool. I will definitely check that out. Yeah. No. He, nice guy. I mm-hmm. he was when I met him, he was in a few weeks. He was going to Alaska. Wow. He had a gig in Alaska. Uh huh. So you know, people will go to to the far reaches of the of the world to practice their craft. Mm-hmm. They just will. Yeah. And he enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it was, the, it was a unique experience for him. And that's the other thing I, I enjoy about this podcasting. I hear stories about people stepping out yeah. of their comfort zone. Yes. To pursue a dream, their passion, to get information or just to open up. It's wonderful. Right. Yeah. It's wonderful. I've, I've stepped into certain positions in production and capacities that I'm not necessarily familiar with. And some I did well and some it's like, you might not want to do that again. <laughs> but I did. Yeah. <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> so, yeah. If you could have any job you wanted, Chrissy, what would it look like? Your ideal job. Well, my ideal job would not look like a job, first of all. One of the ideas that I have, which I'm still trying to put piece together and make it happen, I would be traveling the world and experiencing various cultures. I don't want to go into detail about the actual project, but that would be my thing, traveling Mm -hmm. the world and experiencing various cultures. And this also, too, is something that I have uh, evolved into is trying to be present and enjoy the moment. I think that just in life in general, I was always kind of anticipating the next. And it's kind of like at this point in the game, it's just like, you know what, just stay in this moment. I worked on something recently with one of the comedians from Wild and Out, Rip Michaels. He has a show coming out called Urban Eats and Treats, where he goes to various restaurants with some of his celebrity friends. And I've worked with him on a lot of his stuff, but I'm never... I'm so focused on the work, work, work. Like, let me just do this. Like, I literally can be at the shows that I'm working on and miss the show. People are saying, oh, did you hear when the comedian said this? And I'm like, no, I was running back and forth to make sure X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm working. I'm even 
right there by the stage, but I'm not able to watch the show. So when I worked with him on this particular project, I said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take this in. And I did. And it was a great experience. And it was a lesson for me to be present in everything that I do. That's just something I needed to just. Well, how can you do that, though? If you're the one that has to pay attention to detail to make sure the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and people are where they're supposed to be, how can you do that? I guess it's, I did it. I guess it's a matter of making sure that everything is in place so that I can be present. I did it. That's all well, I can say. That's all I can depending say. On, depending on who, you're, who you're, you're managing, you may not be able to do it every time because some people are less. <laughs> well, I, I do believe that it's important to make a choice in how you want things to be. Start Starting there with making a choice and then that can determine how close to that decision you can get. So that makes sense. Me, me, that makes sense. Me deciding I wanted to be present in this experience probably had an effect on how much more I paid attention to detail and made sure I got this out the way as much in advance as possible so that I could be present. I was that still I was still right there. I was still yeah. right there. I was still on top of everything. I was still paying attention to what parts we were on and what he needed to say and what this person said, but I was in it and I enjoyed it. And that I hadn't done that in a long time. And I think that that's also common in production because one of the other women that I work with, she's like my bestie from the original Deaf Comedy Jam. We work together. We've been friends ever since. And I said to her, do you ever take pictures of the projects that you're working on? She was like, I never have time. I said, because you've worked on some of the most amazing projects. So when I had an opportunity to work with her on something she pulled me on, I had my camera. I was still doing what I needed to do. But when I had a moment, I took pictures from behind the scene and sent them to her. And I said, you should make it your business now to at least get a couple of pictures in. And she said, I'm going to start doing that because I have no documentation of all the stuff that I've been doing. And she is, for me, she's legendary status. Well, and with Instagram, I thought everybody was taking photos. Not the ones who are working. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm like, where do they find the time to do all this? And that's just it. It is very, very difficult. When you are working, it is it is hard to do that when you are working. I just, be, but because like I said, I made a choice. Now I can recognize those spaces where it's like, okay, you're standing here. You got everybody in place. Snap a quick pic. But no, you're right. Folks are taking a bunch of pictures. And I have witnessed <laughs> on jobs where folks are doing full on videos and I'm standing there like, you got time for this? <laughs> right. So, but no, I think that uh, those who are truly working, really, we don't. We get so caught up in working. But I, I want to enjoy the stuff that I work on now. I really do. I want to make sure that. I, and, and there still have been a couple of projects where I didn't take pictures, but I still tried to stay present. So. Well, you know what? What's Gina's last name? Is it Yashir? Yashire. Yashire. Well, if you run across Gina Yashire again, you know, if if she wants to do a podcast interview, tell her that I'm more than willing. I, I love I love her character. I will definitely reach out. Gina's I mean, I, she has me in tears, seriously. She's a great person too. That's another thing that's always like extra bonus when I come across these amazingly talented people. And then you 
get to meet them and they're really good people, like that's, that's just, nice. That just makes it all the more sweeter. You're and right. Can I say more sweeter, more sweet? All the sweeter, all the more sweet, whatever's grammatically correct. That's what makes it okay, more, that's what makes it more better. <laughs> more better, more better. Yeah, because everybody's not that. So you get some jerks in the game, but the ones who are just doing it and rocking and then like just good people on top. Yeah. Makes it so nice. It makes it so You wonderful. know, especially now, there's just so much acrimony and dissension and disruption and you know, snarkiness and all that. It's like, look, you yes, know what? It's I can stay in my house and mind my business. I got plenty to do up in here. I'm Seriously. I got folks talking junk about me for not booking them on the mixtape comedy show. Listen, and you know what? Let them keep talking. Oh, I can't worry so about what? it. But it's, but so it's like, it's like everything is not necessarily for everybody. And just if someone hasn't done mixtape, doesn't mean that you're not a good comedian. It just means that this may just not be the space for you. That's all. And they need to remember that if you didn't use them this time, if they keep up talking about you, you won't use them the next time. Yeah, I'm there in my life too. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely. I mean, really, I'm, I'm not the one. <laughs> I don't have to. One comedian was fussing and he said, you have to understand. And I said, right there. No, I don't. No. <laughs> I really don't. No. And I said, well, you're not going to yell at me. I'll be happy to discuss anything with you, but you are not going to yell at me. That's right. You can't let them treat you badly. You can't let people treat you in a way that you don't like. You yeah. don't deserve that. No. You don't care who they are. I really, really don't. I really, really don't. And, and know, unfortunately, more people do not understand that. But it's the truth. Yeah. And I'm the long the longer I live, the more time I put in on this planet, the more I realize kindness just feels good. So I try to be mm-hmm. I try to be kind. It you know, I don't I don't mean to be disrespectful to anybody. I'm probably guilty but of it. Say, that's not the way you were raised up. You weren't raised up to be disrespectful to anybody. <laughs> I try you not to know, be. that's not who you are. I try not to be. But oh, you and even if you were you don't deserve to be treated badly. No. That you just need to be told to, not to do it again. And somebody needs to mean it. But that's not who you are. No. But now going back to the work world, though, there are many ways that an individual can be mistreated. And it doesn't have to be blatant or outward or visible. No. And just going going back to the work thing, I think it's important to... If I could give anybody any suggestions, you got to just believe in yourself and don't move from that space and just try to do whatever it is that brings you some kind of joy. I remember telling my son that, like, whatever job you have or whatever you do, make it something you love. (laughs) Yeah. Make it something you love. I it should be their choice. It should be their choice. Yeah. I said, make it something you love because I, some that the regular day job thing is, it's a, it's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for me. So I think, you know, there, I have my moments in that space of reminding myself, my value, my worth, all those other things, they really come into question. And it, I'll have my own, <laughs> my own dialogue. Like, why are you questioning yourself? You know, you got this. Right. 
So that's sometimes you just need a pep talk, and you're the only one who can give it to you. That's it. That's you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, these are trying times, and people are going through a lot. You know. Yes. And um. This is a time for self-reflection because a lot of people have more time on their hands than they had before. And a lot of people have less time than they had before because they're doing things that they didn't have to do, you know, on a daily basis, you know, like homeschooling their children or making sure their children are are learning during the day. Right. There is definitely a lot going on. There's a lot going on for some of everybody. So one of the things I was really happy to see during the pandemic was the rise of black owned businesses. And a lot of people just really saying, you know what, I got to get myself together. I can't let something like this come take me off guard again. And that's me included. Yes. So there's some things that I'm in the process of trying to just piece together. I had mentioned to you before that like dropping a little money in real estate, very little, just a little something like that. Nothing to change my life today, but just take some of those steps where it's like you're not dependent on the job. Multiple income streams are nice to have. <laughs> They're not nice. They are a must to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the pandemic dried up my income streams, but, you know. But you had an income stream. You oh, had, yeah. You had one to dry up. So that's good for you. That is yeah. That is good. So. But it's dry now. I've got to. I've got to lubricate it. Lubricate <laughs> You got to slide some oil. <laughs> I got to. You know. I got to get some oil. Some WD forty or some whatever it is. It's like the tin man in the whiz. <laughs> I'm serious. You know the yeah the tin man in the whiz exactly. Yeah. I'm telling you, this is you know. It's like okay, Beverly, how are you going to get through this? And it's like okay, you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Listen. I've done things before that I guess I can't say I never thought I could do. I always thought I could do what I wanted to do. And I've always done what I wanted to do. But, you know, at this stage in my life, I feel like I want to I want to give back. That's one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing, because I want it. I want to make sure that I I made a contribution, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. I don't want to leave this earth not having contributed to the betterment of the human condition. Okay. And this podcast is one of those ways, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's a lack of civility in the workplace. Yes. In the discourse between human beings. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the way I was brought up. Right. And that's not the way I let people interact with me. Yeah, job, job security is definitely a thing of the past. It is. So I just, I want to thank you for sharing your employment journey, your employment perspective. It's been, I've learned, I know more about production than I did before. Oh. And it's good to know that it's alive and coming back, if not thriving at this point, it will, mm-hmm. because we need it. Thank we you for having it. me. Thank you so much for having me. So until the next time, and again, please consider purchasing my new book, Your GPS to Employment Success, How to Find and Succeed in the Right Job. And if you're so inclined, 
please leave a review of this podcast. Of course, as I always do, I forgot to mention that you can obtain a copy of the book from Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and independent bookstores, including Barnes & Noble, wherever they are. And thank you so much for joining us today. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices. Amplified.